to have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's going on, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So on today's podcast, I have on Rich Froning. So Rich is widely known in the CrossFit world. He's an elite athlete, and he's one of us. He's a bow hunter, grew up bow hunting whitetails, uh, now has fallen in love with Western hunting. And so uh, made for a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. I think you guys will enjoy it too. Just want to thank a couple of my sponsors, and we'll get into the podcast here. I want to thank Method Archery. So, uh, uh, formerly known as Vector Archery, they had a rebranding, they're now known as Method Archery, still same great shaft, same dynamic spine that's, uh, that, they, that they actually calculate for you to find the perfect spine for your bow and poundage, uh, weight out front, things of that nature. It's a great program. Uh, and now they're offering different colors. So uh, the last couple seasons they've had white, uh, now they have a, a green, they have like a, a yellow color, which is what I went with. Uh, they have an orange, uh, just producing great arrows. They keep all your specs, so if you need more arrows, you just shoot them a message and they send them in the mail. They're all cut to size. Uh, they have great components. I really like their front end components, which spin true, which is great for broadheads. Uh, just a, a hard hitting, great shaft that did really well for me last year. Uh, so excited to be running those through this phase four. So uh, my new arrow should be showing up in the mail any day. But um, if you're in the market for some new arrows, this is a great small company that's producing the highest quality arrows out there. Great weight tolerance, straightness tolerance, uh, you name it. They're just a great built arrow. Their website will walk you through to design those specific arrows for your bow. Uh, because a lot of us just don't have the time to to make up and run different length arrows, different setups. Uh, you know, once we pick our arrows, those are our arrows we're going to hunt with. And uh, Method Archery will design those arrows to perfectly fit uh, the dynamic spine to match your bow perfectly. So uh, make sure to go check them out over at Method Archery. I also want to thank Sig Sauer. Uh, six hour optics have been amazing for me. They have their image stabilizing binos. Uh, they actually have some new sets that'll be coming out this year where they have uh, their high end glass in them. They have a pair of 10 buys, 16 buys, and actually a pair of 20 buys. The, the, the 20 power uh, image stabilizing binos will take the place of a scope for me and I'll be able to drop five pounds of tripod and scope. It's just amazing. I love that product. Uh, I love their range finders. I believe they're the best in the market with a powerful laser to be able to shoot through grass, uh, get the same readings on light and dark targets. Uh, they have angle compensation in them. They actually have an archery angle compensation where you can set the speed of your bow to get the exact cut on your downhill and uphill shots. And I used it this past season in Nevada. Uh, I was actually the first person to test it in the field and uh, worked flawlessly on a long shot that was downhill, 45 degree angle, and hit that buck perfectly. So uh, uh, proof is in the pudding. Uh, their rangefinders are the best in the market. They are. They have spotting scopes, rifle scopes, 
uh, you name it. They're, um, they also have their high-end binoculars, which are great. I have a pair of 15s of those that I'll tripod up uh, that I absolutely love. But if you're in the market for anything optics, make sure to go check them out over at Sig Sauer. I also want to thank Matthews Bows. Um, super psyched to get this phase four set up finally getting my garage and range put together got my press up the other day uh, so I'll be setting up that bow this week and starting to rip some arrows and starting to get used to it that will be my hunting bow for this season and I'm just super stoked at how quiet this bow is and these Matthews they're so forgiving they hold a tune hold up to all the abuse I throw at it in a season of Western hunting uh, just absolutely amazing um, I fall in love with these Matthews bows and and um, their research and development team just keeps improving them year by year and this phase four I believe is the best bow that they built uh, so I can't wait to get this thing set up and get it ripping but if you're in the market for a new bow make sure to go check out these Matthews go shoot these Matthews they just build a great bow I also want to thank Black Ovis uh, I was able to meet some guys from Black Ovis at the Expo Show, uh, really good guys, uh, salt of the earth, and also like good western hunters. So if you have any questions, you can call those guys and they'll advise you. Um, I just talked to Dylan. What did he just get there? He just got something from Black Ovis and used our code. We have a code to save 10%, uh, elevated 10. That's right, he got some new boots there. Uh, but you can use that code elevated 10 it'll save you 10% on your order and uh, they have all the top name brands like Zamberlin boots uh, they have all the, uh, the the top brands in, in in all different facets of hunting from optics to clothing to boots you name it they have it for your next hunt uh, they also have their own name brand black Ovis which builds a high quality piece of gear for a good price point uh, just good guys over there so uh, if you need anything, it's an internet retail store. Make sure to go check them out at Black Ovis. I also want to thank Camo Fire. Camo Fire is an app that you get on your phone with 80 new hunting deals that come up every 24 hours. Uh, it's a, a, a great app where you can really save a pile of money, especially if you watch things come up. Uh, you're able to get them at huge discounts. Uh, so check out the app the next time you have a free minute. It's over at Camo Fire. And with that, over at Eastman's, um, got some good recordings at that expo. Pumped to be releasing those to you guys. And then just working hard to uh, get good podcasts for you guys as we're leading into tag season. I've uh, got um, some apps in and working on some other ones and where I'm going to hunt, trying to plan my adventures for this season. Uh, it's super fun and, and um, it's all part of the process. So you can use our program, Tag Hub, which I've been using a bunch to research different states and different tags. You can find that. Uh, we have our mule deer school as well which i really think helps cutting the learning curve for this adventure style travel hunting out west so uh, i put absolutely everything i know about hunting mule deer in there 25 years experience i think combined with me guy eastman and dan bacar there's over 75 years uh, of mule deer hunting experience in that program so uh, if you're interested go check that out that's at eastman's and it's the mule deer school uh, check out our Beyond the Grid. We have new episodes dropping all the time. And also on the Outdoor Channel at Eastman's Hunting TV. And then, of course, the magazines Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal and Eastman's Hunting Journal. Uh, so check those out. Uh, just wrote an article, um, let's see, before I left to the expo, uh, all about off-season. 
and uh, what I'm doing to improve and get better and make sure that I find success here in the coming season. So, um, yeah, it's a great article. Uh, really like the spread in it, and it'll be coming out in the Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. So, um, check those out. And you can also bundle all those things together for a really good price as well. So you can check out those deals at eastmans.com. And with that, let's get into this podcast with Rich Froning. It's a great one. Really enjoyed this conversation and uh, sure appreciate Rich taking the time to come on. Uh, I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Well, good. Um, thanks for joining me. Get your workout in this morning. Yeah, yeah, I got a little fitness in this morning, and uh, I got to go talk to my oldest daughter's uh, second grade class about bison at uh, about one thirty my time. So we got that later this afternoon. Oh, there you go. The pressure's on. Yeah, I know, right? I'm like 100, 100 second graders trying to keep them entertained. That's more stressful than you know working out in front of people. Yeah, no doubt, right? It's uh, got to be a little bit challenging, too, to cater your bison speech towards second yeah. grade. Like, I know you have one that age, so you kind of know you know, how to speak to them, but still, it's got to be a little bit tough to kind of craft a speech still, for them. Still, of them, you're like, so we're going we're gonna to take a, uh, a bison skull and a bison hide and let them kind of touch it and feel it and see it. So that'll, I think that'll help a little bit. Oh, there you With go. With the boys, at least. Yeah. Uh, the absolute icon of the West, the bison. Um, it really is, man. It's awesome animal. Oh, it is. I've never had the chance to hunt them. I've had some good buddies that have drawn some of the uh, the limited tags. Like I had a buddy that drew the Wyoming tag and was dead set to do it with his bow and arrow and just had this amazing <laughs> experience. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, I've read uh, I've read American Buffalo by uh, Steve Ranella, man. And it was, it was just awesome. It was like right after we got them too. And, you know, I'd done a ton of research on them before we even decided to go with bison instead of cattle. And, uh, man, they're just, they're just incredible. Oh, wow. So you have bison. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, uh, so we, we, we have a farm up at the house. We started me and my buddy, um, growing up, we lived about a mile apart from each other. And then, um, we, you know, grew up together, best friends, stayed best friends through college, and then now we both live and we live a mile apart from we live a mile from where we lived. And then we also live a mile apart from each other again. And so we had some land and we were both firefighters in college and uh, on his off days, he did cattle. And so when we had kids, we were like, let's, you know, let's do cattle. So the kids have something to do, nothing major, but, you know, some chores and stuff like that. Well, to fund it, we were like, let's make some apparel and sell some stuff that people would like and it'll fund it so it doesn't really cost us any money to do this and in the process i was like uh i just started reading a ton about bison and always liked them as a kid and uh the more and more i researched it i was like you know what let's let's try bison and matt's like cool but i have no idea anything about bison i know cattle i was like at me there can't be much different so (laughs) we got we got four bison and had it for about a year and now we're up to uh, about 40 ish and then we do we have some apparel some um, hats, shirts, stuff like that. And then we do actually sticks, bars, and some biltong. And then also um, sell some meat at the coffee shop here at Mayhem. Man, right on, Rich. Um, yeah, where, so, where can guys find that apparel or where can guys see that stuff? Yeah, froningfarms.com. Um, we do. We've got some hunt stuff on there. Like the last couple of years, I've, I've gotten super into hunting, like head over heels into hunting. Matt grew up um, hunting. His dad kind of is the one that first introduced me to it, too. And so, um, he's more of, Matt's a, a whitetail sit, wait, 
uh, style. I, that's not my style. I got really big into turkey hunting. And then from Turkey over the last probably six or seven years, I've gotten really into elk hunting. And, uh, so we, you know, we both have a passion for the outdoors, passion for, uh, conservationism. And, um, that was really the, what it came down to was like, man, bison have such a cool story of, you know, just kind of a rebirth from where they were, you know, they say anywhere from 40 to 60 million and then killed down less than a thousand. And so, um, man, it's just a cool, really cool story about how man can really mess things up and then how, Hey, we as, as hunters, but also as conservationism, uh, conservationists can, uh, make a huge impact as well. Yeah, absolutely. It speaks volumes. I, yeah. so I live right on the edge of the park. I live in, um, Ennis, Montana, just south of Bozeman. And so we get okay. migration of bison, uh, not too far from here, like in West Yellowstone and stuff. Yeah, I yeah. get to see him. And then Ted Turner has a couple ranches out here. Oh yeah. And then He's he the, has bison on there that, um, that, you know, most, we'll, most privately, largest privately owned herd. Yes. Yes, he owns a ton of land. But, yeah, they're always so fun to see, and they're so iconic to the West as yep. well. Um, and it is such a success story. So, yeah, how cool. And uh, uh, cool that you could do it with your best friend and that you guys have been yeah. buddies for that long. And then dive into bison, and, uh, you know, you joke that it's not too different from cattle. It's got to be worlds <laughs> different, right? It's like they're a whole new yeah, learning they're, curve. The more and more we've. The more and more we've gotten into it, yeah, they're way different. They're way more athletic. They're way more wild, really. You know, there's no – you're not going to make those things really like you and like to be around people. You know, they're a little bit more comfortable with us. My wife has uh, – we, we ended up to get her out of our hair because she's the worst farmer on the planet because she falls in <laughs> love with everything. So she – we bought her seven Highland cows. So she those are her – um, giant dogs that she, they'll, those things will never be meat. Um, but it, it gets her away from the bison cause she gets so attached to them, which I mean, there's definitely, you know, we are also attached to them, but then you also have to look at it as a business and as a farm. And, you know, we want to give the best care we can to our animals, but then also there's a, a profit loss that you have to make sure that, you know, we're, we're not losing more than we're profiting. So it's, uh, it, man, it's, it's fun. It's, it's something that, uh, has given us something to do with the kids. They, you know, down the road, they're all pretty young right now, so they don't have any major chores with it, but they can get out there with us and, and see that, hey, it's okay to work hard and, and things aren't always given to you. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, and then just such a connection to your food, like teaching yeah. such, such great lessons to your kids as well. And a lot of them are tough lessons, but, um, yep. you know, exactly. you're teaching them how the real world works, you know, you're not hiding it mm -hmm. from them. So, yeah, man, no. that, that's a, that's amazing. What a great effort or uh, it's great that you you've taken the steps to make that happen, dude. That's amazing. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Like I said, it's uh, yeah, the kids, you know. They're like, so are we eating, you know, because it was not hard, but it was um, they don't understand, you know, like usually you're, you're shooting a male um, when you're hunting uh, most species for, you know, turkeys, especially. That's what I grew up kind of hunting. And then um, so that they're I'm having to disconnect mama and dad from everything, you know, like <laughs> they're like, so did you kill a mom elk this last time? And I'm like, it was a female elk, you know, it's not a. Cause I killed a cow after I killed that bull earlier, earlier in the fall. And so I'm, you know, for them, they're starting to make the, the disconnection of, Hey, you know, it's, it's wild. It's, it is what it is. And, and that's kind of the way things work. And as long as we're eating it and, and being responsible with it, you know, Trice, my, my middle boy, he's wanting to 
kill some squirrels. And I was like, all right, we're going to kill squirrels, but we're going to eat them. And so that's, that's the thing is if we're, if we're killing it, we're going to eat it. And so he, uh, that's, it's been good. It's been fun for them to see, Hey, they're, they're animals. We're supposed to respect them and, and you're taking a life, but as long as you're using that life and using it responsibly, then nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Yeah, and then um, you fell in love with uh, uh, turkey hunting and now western hunting. Um, I can see why. <laughs> they, I, it's like that's my world as well. Uh, I'm just so yeah. in love with the adventure and the challenge. And I, you know, I may have a case of uh, ADHD, and so like it's uh, for sure. Uh, so like being active and being able to hike and being able to fuse my love for like physical endeavors with mental endeavors. Like it's just such an overall challenge chess game, but also physically. I bet you. Well, I bet that that's kind of what you enjoy about it as well. For sure. Yeah. I you know I grew up playing sports. Grew up. Uh, moving, being active, being outside. My parents were, um, I was always one or two video game systems behind everybody else because I got hand-me-downs from my uncle. And so I was always really bad at video games. And, uh, you know, if we were inside not finding something for uh, ourselves to do outside, that my parents were going to find us something to do. So we were lost in the woods a lot. Like I said, I didn't grow up hunting a ton because around here, whitetail is huge and I just can't sit still. Like you said, the ADD, ADHD, and there's not a ton of spot and stock. It's so thick here and, and there's just not a, it's, you know, loud with leaves and there's just not a ton of that. So I never, I mean, I hunted a little bit, but not to any uh, real degree. And then probably the last 10, 15 years, I had a, a really good family friend of ours get me into turkey hunting. And just the, there's, you know, on offensive, you're, you're on offense, you're, you're trying to go, you know, I don't like to sit and wait. I will sit and wait and listen a little bit in the morning first thing. Uh, but then I like to go, you know, make it a chess game, like you're saying. And, and after I did that for a couple of years, I had a buddy that was like, if you like turkey, then you will love elk because elk is just a giant turkey. And man, I fell in love with it. Even though um, the first time I went, we went out to Montana, uh, guided rifle, and it was hot and miserable and we did not see one elk but i was 100 percent hooked and um you know the competitive edge the, com the competitor in me came out and uh you know it's a competition really when you get down to it and um you're you're in their territory their domain and uh just the like you said the physical challenge of it the competitiveness of it and then i mean being out west there's just there's nothing like it you know it's it's uh there's something magical yeah. Oh, absolutely. It is magic. Uh, that that interaction, that predator prey interaction, is like the the most intimate experience you can get with Mother Nature. It seems like and immersing yourself in this this wild landscape, and that's definitely where uh, elk will trump turkeys. Is like the places they live out west in the giant mountains and extreme terrain and and miles and and just what you have to endure with weather and everything. Uh, and also like, uh, you know, they're a 700 pound animal with, with five yeah. foot of antlers above their head. Like it's yep. a little bit different close encounter than that of a Turkey. Like the similar, the similarities are there like chasing the, the bugle and the gobbles and things, but those close encounters, they're on another level with elk. There's not, yeah, there's no comparison when it gets to, you know, we had, um, the the bull that I killed this year, we had him. I mean, he stared at us for 11 minutes. We were sitting above a wallow, and he just would not come into a lane uh, to get a shot. And he stared at us for 11 minutes. And I think for 11 minutes, my hand was 
trembling on my bow <laughs> and you know elk fever is real it was uh or bolt whatever they call it um and and it was it was for sure you know like i said it you couldn't really see it on the video we, we made a youtube video of it but man i was full on full body shakes felt like my heart rate was pounding my heart was pounding felt like my bino case was hitting my uh bow without how hard my heart rate was and man it was it was crazy it would go for two or three minutes and then it would settle down and then it would pick back up for two or three minutes and you know just trying to stay as calm as possible in those moments and and you know the hundreds or thousands of arrows that i'd shot well i guess less this year because i switched from right-handed to left-handed um but just you know trying to all right think about if this thing turns and walks you know is there a shooting lane and, and trying to you know be calculated and man it was uh you know because it for me it was four years of of hard hunting all coming down to to a 40 yard shot so man it's uh you can't really replace that and i can i can still feel it still see it when i close my eyes and man it's uh it's awesome Man, that is awesome, Rich. Yeah, I think um, I think I can see it when I close my eyes too. Like just <laughs> comparison to like uh, my close encounters as well. Yeah, man, it takes so much hard work and effort, and comes down just to like a few moments, and it's almost yep. like a like a car wreck. Like having <laughs> like being able to focus in those like in, under that fog of adrenaline and those intense moments and you know flip that kill switch and do what you need to do to put a perfect arrow in that bowl or that buck or whatever the case is yeah that um it is a wild experience man and it's something that just sticks with you too so good yep. on you like uh uh you waited your years or put in your paid your dues your time and your effort learning elk and the craft of elk hunting and and i'm sure having close encounters that didn't pan out and and probably even making mistakes i know like with bow hunting failure is a prerequisite you do mess up on things and it it hurts and it cuts deep and that's part of the reason why you remember it and try not to do it again but uh good for you congratulations on that bowl man yeah appreciate it man and then you know like you said there was i can Every mistake that we made where there was close contact in a mistake, you know, there's numerous probably that you don't even know you had and all those, you know, flashing in, flashing through your brain. And then honestly, with that, the one that I end up um, harvesting, I, I thought I'd missed him. You know, I thought I shot high and it thought I centered a tree. And so the heartbreak from that, um, when I let that arrow go and just to hear a smack, turns out it was the smack of it hitting the bull, but uh, thinking originally that I, I'd shot just over him and the heartbreak and man, the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, and then back to highest of highs about five minutes later, once we found that bloody arrow, it was, uh, man, I can't even, can't even put it into words. And, uh, you know, I, and what's cool is, you know, a lot of, obviously, you know, there's different schools of thoughts, you know, with meat and with, you know, um, trophies. And so I ended up keeping, keeping the head, keeping the cape and, I still, you know, as I walked by that bull in the house, my wife actually surprisingly let me put it in our living room. I, those memories all come back, you know, it's, it's kind of cool that, um, uh, I, I feel that and, and can really just connect with that, that elk on the wall that I, you know, the hard work, but also just that exact moment and everything that went into that. It's, uh, it's a, it's a cool, just memory piece, you know? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that I think that speaks to all of us hunters. Yeah, you're able to to relive the adventure and the the journey. And like you say, four years, you had so many in, amazing encounters and experiences in four years of chasing elk. And, uh, you know, it's like um, that is the end goal is to arrow a mature bull year after yeah. year for me. Like, that's what I'm out there for. But uh, the time spent while doing it, you know, I've, I've realized now, like, uh, uh, you know, after harvesting, you know, having a bunch of these experiences and, and figuring out how to consistently be successful on these mature animals, like, uh, I've, I figured out like the, the, the joy is in the journey, not yep. the, not the end goal. It's all those, that time and experiences. And I can even think back to like this last season and experiences I had, the, the quality time I spent with buddies, you know, so many nights sleeping in the dirt and backpacking in. And then some of those magic moments in the elk woods where you hear 300 bugles a night. There's no other hunters around just chasing bulls and sweat pouring down my brow and just having mm -hmm. these close encounters. And then, you know, in the end, being able to arrow this really nice six point in just like one of the prettiest places to go chase elk in Montana or lower 48 for that matter was so special. And then to have three buddies drop everything, come help me pack that thing out. And like I thought about it in that bull, if I didn't have three really good buddies willing to drop their hunt to come help me, it would have taken me like over 35 miles of the back and forth <laughs> to get them out, yep, like yep. all the trips. But instead, yep. they dropped everything and helped celebrate in the moment and helped pack that bull out. And then like that night, let them cool down, you know, at camp and camp with the boys. And I just walked out to like this this vantage point. I figured I'm going to go try to locate some elk for these guys and try to help yep. them out. They helped me pack it out. So I'm walking out to this vantage point right at last light. I didn't find like the bull that they were after or anything, but I found uh, an obsidian arrowhead like laying right in the dirt, like almost meant That's to awesome. be the day I packed yeah. out my bull, you know, of, yeah. of our, our ancestors doing exactly what I'm doing in the exact same place. Dude. It was wild. That's incredible. Yeah. The, the, yeah, that's, the other part of it is just the brotherhood you share, you know, we hunt in two or groups of two or three guys and just the, you know, the grind of it and the fun and just, you know, just being out there. The, like I said, uh, there's no other way to put it, but brotherhood, you know, it's, it's, you understand it's, it's kind of the beauty of what we do as well with CrossFit is the community side of it. You know, you get to share that with, with your boys. There's, there was four of us with our camera guy as well. And, so, you know, we got to pack it out, but man, and that's when the real work starts, you know, that you think it's hard up to that point, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally to, to, to actually get to the kill. And then you got to pack it out, which is another journey in and of itself. And it's, uh, you know, to have, like you said, have those guys come in, help you carry that thing out and to suffer together. And, and man, it's just, uh, it's just a, an incredible experience. And, and just like you said, the, there's something primal to it. You know, it's like, it's what we're supposed to do. And yeah, it's, it's hard really to, like you're saying, put into words. You can't really, you can't tell somebody that hasn't been a part of it, how special it is. But once you've been a part of it, you know how special it is. Yeah. That's, um, you're spot on. Like I can, I can feel your excitement. I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, like <laughs> you say, get back out there right now. Yeah, no doubt. Me too. Um, yeah, it's just, um, 
it is tough. It is such a primal, visceral experience. And you're right about the camaraderie. Like, community is so important. And this connection you build with your buddies out there doing that, like, you um, – you know, it's a bit like you um, – I see military veterans and their connection they have with their community and each yeah. other. Um, yeah, and you just build – like it's a more meaningful connection when you go do an adventure with somebody. It's not like having a beer with somebody or no. like having no. a dinner or something like that. Like you go out and have this wild experience together. It like connects you. It's a deeper bond and a deeper friendship, and I know – like my buddies that I hunt with, we keep in contact, we make it a point to get together, we share adventures together. And you know, the the friends over the years or friends from high school where we don't have that in common, we just kind of drift apart. So it almost it almost takes like having this endeavor that you love together and then go have these experiences and then I think you're you're pretty much bonded uh, for life, yeah. you know, with your buddies yeah, or whatever. Sure. It's just a cool experience. Yeah, we had a um kind of our hunting group you know, we split up into two groups of like four this year and, you know, it, it kind of fluctuates on, um, it's narrowed down over the years. The guys that, uh, originally went out there with us thinking it was going to be more like whitetail sitting and waiting. And, you know, it's weaned down to about eight of us, seven or eight of us. And, uh, this year we had a, a wild game dinner where everybody brought some, some type of harvest. And like we had mule deer, we had squirrel, we had venison, just regular whitetail. We had axes, deer, elk, um, Man, it was it's in, you just shared that and and to think you know those were all things that were killed um, by your hands and so it was uh it was a cool thing and like I said we have this text thread that we you know text back and forth almost daily on and it's guys that one guy lives in Colorado one lives in Montana one lives in Arkansas uh, one Missouri and so um, it's it's pretty awesome. So cool, Rich. Yeah, uh, similar experience. I've got text threads going too, where I talk yep, to yep. <laughs> different groups of hunters and um, buddies that I have. Yeah, the wild game dinner is really cool too. It's cool to be able to try the different meats, but it is. Yeah. It's like the 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 best, you know, the the most organic protein on the planet, and I know. Really like it, it fuels me for the entire year for my next adventures. It fuels my family, and my family doesn't know any different. Like all right. we eat is wild game, but it's so good and healthy awesome. for us. And I had this, I had this wild thought this year. Like I was packing out my antelope from the prairie and uh, had to hunt pretty hard for them and had to uh, like explore different parts of the state. And some of my old honey holes just weren't producing, and so. Um, arrowed this really good buck out on this new prairie where I'd never been and just was having this this wild thought about the meat and packing all that meat out which we love antelope it's like our favorite western meat I've that heard we it's get great. oh it's great yeah it's amazing and exactly, uh, just yeah. packing never. it out and and looking at this vast prairie and all the rolls and folds of the hills and and really you know, those animals are a product of those places. Like he, he made a living out in that prairie off those grasses and those bushes. And it's like, it's a, a bit of a deep thought, but then just thinking that now I survive off this animal, like this place yep. is a part of me. And like yep. all these places That's that true. I go have these wild adventures are now a part of me part and of fuel me for the next year. It's just kind of a wild thought I had, but yeah, they really fuel us for future pursuits and it is the best meat on the planet. And it's like that connection again like you with your bison us yep. with the animals we hunt and these animals that we hunt uh they get the best living possible you know rather than getting our meat starving from the, to death or yeah. yeah 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 exactly well and um 
just to live wild and free for as many years as they can survive in the mountains is way better than living in a pen or living, you know, grazed. Yeah, exactly. So like, um, you know, and, and to give them, you know, like you say, their death, mother nature doesn't give them a kind death either. You know, like a perfectly placed arrow is about as good of a death as an animal can hope for in the wild. For sure, yeah. That's any, any pushback that I get. It's like, do you you don't realize, you know, because a lot of people with the social media following that I have are not hunters. You know, they're not. Um, they may not have the same. That's right. Um, views or ideals as I had. And, you know, yeah. I, I do. I do push a little bit, uh, push buttons a little bit. But you know, they don't. It's and one of the posts or one of the responses, I was like, do you think uh, you know, like a pack of wolves killing an elk? Do you think? that's peaceful do you think an animal starving to death or getting some disease from overpopulation like i don't understand the people that don't see that humans have been part of the food chain or are part of the food chain and you know people that are vegan or vegetarian i can understand i don't necessarily agree but i can also you know that's their that's their idea and their values or whatever you want to say. Mm -hmm. But the people that eat meat and are against hunting, those are the ones that I have a real problem with. You know, (laughs) that's, that's, that blows my mind really. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Well, um, thanks so much for uh, uh, being a voice for us hunters. Like with your following, you do get to reach people that are not hunters and you you probably have to deal with a, a lot more backlash than a guy like me would have to deal with posting a hunting picture or something. So like, like thanks for sticking up for hunters and being a good voice for us and and just trying to explain it to people. And like you say, uh, the vegans, like, I think everybody is trying to do what they believe is the right thing. You know, I don't, you know, they're, they're not bad people or that, uh, they just have different ideals, different morals. There are different upbringing. And so, like it's it's our job to be able to breach this subject with people like you're following that aren't all hunters. Like like you get to breach it in a way where they're following you and like your content. They get to see that you hunt and then get to interact and ask Eat questions it, yep. back and forth. You get to interact and you get to answer these questions to them uh, like in a tactful way where you can kind of think about your response and you're not going to reach everybody, but. No. Through reaching yep. them and through people looking at the comments, looking at what you wrote, being respectful, and then also representing hunting in a positive light, like the best way we can uh, to show respect to the animals, which both me and you obviously have, and, and the majority of our community does. And so, like, um, right. like man, you're doing a really good thing for us hunters. And, uh, man, I just appreciate it. It's uh, like a, such a big weight, like with your following. I can't imagine some of the messages you get or have to deal with. Oh, yeah. It's been, uh, you know, I, I kind of, I, I like it. You know, I, I every once in a while, I'll, I'll light a match and just toss it out there and 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 really the the cool thing is the the hunting community that comes and in support of and in defense and I, I really don't even get back on there and reply to any of the things but the hunters will get on there and kind of explain you know if i see one you know ignorant comment about you know where they just have no clue then i might get in there and kind of tell them hey do you realize what what you're saying but for the most part those are my the most involvement uh, from my following is on those uh, those hunting pictures or videos or anything that we do. So it's uh, I, I don't mind it. You know, I'm I'm always going to be authentic and, and who I am. And um, it's something that I believe in and very firmly believe in. And over the last couple of years has become, you know, a major passion of mine. It's something I really enjoy and something that um, 
I, you know, want to continue to do and continue to learn. And, and, you know, um, like you're saying, antelope is on my list now. I, I really enjoy elk and that'll probably be something that I always come back to, but you know, I, I'd love to go to Alaska and try to moose. And then eventually, like you're saying that we were talking before bison, you know, that's kind of a down the road. That would be a, a dream hunt to go on, you know, to see them in our front yard every day. Um, but to actually see them in the wild and how much different they are and how you interact with them differently. And, um, man, it would just, you know, I'm, I'm addicted now and kind of hooked. My wife, I guess it's been a couple months ago, we were on a road trip somewhere and, and she was like, if you didn't have me or the kids, what do you, what do you think you'd be doing? And I said, I'd be gone out West four months of the fall slash winter. And, um, people wouldn't see me until hunting season was over. Cause it's just, it's something that's gotten in my blood and in who I am. So, it's uh, I'm looking forward to when my kids are older and I can share that with them and, and take them on some trips for sure. How oh, I love it, Rich. I love to see uh, uh, not you transition, as I know you still do CrossFit as well, but just to find the same love that I and, and that our community has for this hunting. It's such a great place for our passion. It's a great place where uh, effort equals success or the work that you put in, you get out of it. It's like yeah. this. Uh, it's so challenging that you get out there and you you are like uh, you you have a real endeavor in front of you that you're trying to accomplish, which sometimes seems like mission impossible. But it, um, really it, yeah. it uh, it's so amazing when it comes together. And you said it. You said lowest lows and highest highs. You just really feel like you're living life. And there is like this connection, like the reason we survived as humans is our ability to hunt, our ability yep. to to theorize, you know, and and be Word. able to outwit and outsmart these animals. So it's like that that interaction with the elk that you spoke about, that I spoke about, like uh, it's in our makeup. It's in our DNA. It's directly tied to our ancestors. And it does feel like it's what we're meant to be doing, you know? And so it's amazing. And I can just say like, um, I'm glad you're going to take on like these different challenges. Like you talk about moose and you talk about antelope, like antelope, like different species in different habitats improve your skill set, And then that skill set will transition to different species. So right. you get really good at hunting antelope. It's going to help you with your spot and stock abilities. Antelope, they have 8x binocular vision, but they pick up movement so well. They pick up anything over a ridge line. You think about popping over the grass and they see you, you know, from hundreds of yards. Like and turkey. Then, Basically, you're yes. hunting turkey. Yes. <laughs> but like, way faster. Yes. And then to sneak in close and to arrow these animals, they just make you better. And so then you can take that skill set uh, into elk. And the other thing about antelope is um, they live on the prairie. You can hunt them all day long, uh, but you tend to get a lot of encounters. It's one of the only reasons that I can get it done on an antelope is I know I'm not just going to get one stalk a season. I'm going to get right. three to five stalks a day. And so eventually the odds are in my favor and I'll get one right and get an antelope arrowed. But what it does is it makes you better at knowing what you can get away with and what you can't. So then you take those skills into the elk woods and I can really target big mature six point spot and stock because I've built this skill set around stocking where now, you know, I can arrow a mature six point every single year and really target those herd bulls because i've worked on that stalking skill set so just like you're talking about hunting different species in different habitats makes you a better overall western hunter and you mentioned moose this year i drew a shiris moose tag i've been applying for 22 years drew it in my home state of montana in this amazing mountain range of like the gravelies that's in my yeah. home range where i live 
and I had uh, over 30 days hunting moose this year, finally arrowed a bull into rifle season, laid into it. I saw over 40 moose really waiting, trying to find the right one, but it was a trying hunt. But like you say, it's just, it's amazing to have all these different experiences. And so, uh, yeah, you're just right on the cusp of it, like uh, of seeing these different species in these different habitats will just make you a better elk hunter too. Sounds like I need to get into antelope. That's that's my next one then, huh? Oh, dude, it's so fun. <laughs> Sometimes I say, like, that's my funnest hunt of the year. You spend so right. much time stalking. Like, yeah. where elk and deer, you spend so much time looking for Wait, them or yeah. playing the yep. game or trying to get close. Antelope is stalking all day, every day, and they're really tough to kill. Like, those and axis deer in Hawaii, I love hunting yep. axis deer because you get a bunch of encounters, but they're really switched on and really tough to kill with a bow and arrow. So it just makes you so much better at that skill set. Heck yeah. All right. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. Just hit me up if you got any questions as I know we're coming into app season, but yeah, an antelope, um, it's a, you know, it's, it's not too tough to draw a good unit and get a lot of opportunity, whether that's Montana or Wyoming, you know, and then they have tags throughout the West. I'd say, I think Montana and Wyoming have like the most of them. Like we have a archery only tag in Montana. That's pretty easy to draw for archers that lets you hunt almost the entire state and some of the best units. Okay. All right. I'll look that up for sure. Yeah. We were trying to put together, you know, what next season is going to look like. I already have two. I've got an Idaho tag, uh, panhandle of Idaho, Sweet. and then um, for elk, the, yeah, for elk, cool. and then the show most wanted list. I'm supposed to be on that um, Oregon elk, so I'm I've got two of those lined up, trying to figure out the rest of the season next year. Oh, good for you, Rich. To already have a couple elk tags in your pocket is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes yeah. those elk tags. They can be tough to come by, especially if you don't live in a Western state or you're not guaranteed a tag. And so that's like the first step to becoming a good elk hunter is hunting elk a bunch. You know, it's like experience is the best teacher. And so like you just have to figure out how you can get a tag every year. And it's not about drawing the best tag in the West. Like there's some amazing tags. But if you haven't built the elk hunting skill set, it doesn't matter if you have the best tag. They're still going to be tough and like um, you're going to have to learn to hunt elk in those units. And so it's best to hunt elk every year let experience be your teacher teach you how to hunt elk how to get good at it and and really it's about the skill set you you build like to go into these general units you'll you'll go into them undeniable especially with your physical fitness like you have that as like such an asset and then you have the mental toughness from you know your physical fitness and from competing and grinding yes and so like you've got the major components to be like a uh uh, at the top of the heap as far as western hunters you know now just developing your stalking skills, developing your right. glassing finding animals like there's so many different skill sets that go into it but yeah man you got a major advantage and you're definitely approaching it the right way by getting experience yeah the last last three years we went um over the counter public land in colorado so we were in gunnison for two years and the last two last year we were in route national forest so Man, over-the-counter uh, Colorado, you know, public land is, is about as, when it comes to pressure, as, as difficult as it comes. So we, we've definitely, definitely uh, been in the thick of it for sure. So we learned a lot of what not to do. Uh, well, yeah, uh, that's, uh, yeah, in turn, you do le- learn a lot not uh, what not to do, but also what to do. But good yep. for you guys like that. Uh, you're getting the true experience that all us blue collar guys are getting, you know, it's like, uh, you're not going, you know, not that 
you can't hunt a ranch. A ranch is like, oh, yeah, you know, it's sure, like access sure. to good property and good elk hunting yep. right away. And when you're coming from so far, I don't blame guys for being able to hunt good spots. But to do it like you've done it over the counter in Colorado, uh, yep. man, oh, man. Yeah, that is the school of hard knocks, man. That's yeah, where man. elk are so <laughs> tough to kill, too. Those, those high-pressure so... elk, they're a different species, man, than low-pressure elk. I guarantee you. Yeah, yeah, we had, we have, we've had each year, the first two years we were up in Gunnison, man, we had one really good opportunity on a bedded bull that we just took too long to take a shot. And then uh, we had a couple, uh, we had, I guess it was last year, we had two bulls within 40 yards, but they were both non, uh, non-legal. And then one that would never quite show his face. And we had you know, those opportunities are awesome and that's what keeps you coming back. But man, they're so heartbreaking when you, you know, like I said, we had, we had a, a little spike within 20 yards that turned broadside and just stared at us like, Hey, uh, what's up? What are you guys doing? And then a little raghorn, same thing from 30. But then that, that bigger bull, we know he was bigger. He was, he was the one bugling and, and mature, but he was just didn't want to come show his face because like you said, they're just so skittish and just a completely different animal. Yep. Man, um, you guys uh, went uh, straight into the deep end of the pool. That guy's yeah, in a big country, says. man. That that We're stuff like, is. Man, uh, you went training wheels off. Yeah, I'd say like uh, it's just such high elevation too, which really adds exertion to your body. Like I know, you know, a hill that I'll run up at my house at six, seven, seven thousand feet of elevation. I'll look up it and I'll run up the whole thing and won't take a break. I go do that at. 10,000, 11,000, 12,000 feet, like you're hunting around that Gunnison. And yep. uh, it takes me like a like an hour, a couple hours to make it up there and multiple breaks. Like it it just puts such an exertion on your body. It's the equalizer. Like it, it makes, you know, I believe like it gets less oxygen to your muscles. And so therefore your muscles fatigue quicker. And also you're not getting as much oxygen into your lungs which in turn, you know, uh, hurts your breath or whatever, you know, the, yep. the, it's miserable. The, <laughs> <laughs> There's no oxygen exactly in right. the blood, no oxygen in the lungs. There's, it's just a bad place to be. Yeah. We were up, you know, 10, 11,000 feet most days and uh, even sleeping at night, you know, you, you, for me, it takes about two or three days. I'm not a hundred percent acclimatized, obviously. Um, science tells us that, but I feel good after two or three days, feel normal, but there's still times at night, you know, at 10,000 feet where you roll over or get up to take a piss and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't breathe. You know? So it's, uh, it's, it's something definitely there's, that's the mental side of it as well Is you know, luckily what I do, um, for a living is inflict pain on myself. So I'm, I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah. You like to suffer. You're going to fit in yep. great with our community. <laughs> yep, I'm in, I'm in mental, yeah. physical, yeah, that's amazing. Good for you. Yeah, that um, that high elevation, it is such an exertion on the body. And even like things that we don't think about, like sometimes these hunts, it's the challenges we don't plan for. So we know that our muscles are going to be fatigued. We know we'll be out of breath. But two, you can get up in there and um, man, it's like you can be sleep deprived. Like I have a tough mm-hmm. time sleeping at elevation. I also like a, a it's an appetite suppressor. So I don't eat as yep. much, which don't isn't as taken as good a care of my body as I should. And and you can go downhill pretty quick with um, elevation sickness or exhaustion sickness by pushing so hard at high elevation. You know, I, I've, uh, I've had it myself like 20 years ago, and then I've seen a couple buddies go through it as well. And so it is about like pace in the mountains as well. So, yeah, um, no shortage of, of challenges where you're hunting, that's for sure. 
No, and then you got weather. Two years ago when we were out there, it was 70 degrees the first two days. Day three, we woke up. It was about 50 degrees, and then by lunch, there were six inches of snow on the ground. So it was, uh, you know, out of nowhere. Oh, man, isn't that the truth? Yeah, the last time I had in Colorado, we went in in an absolute rainstorm where it just poured for two, three days trying to hike in in our rain gear, and all of a sudden our our 43 or 44-pound packs were about 55 with all wet stuff on it, you know, and it was yep. just yep. It, it was a grueling way to start a hunt soaking wet and then, you know, lightning storms up high there trying to live in the peaks and, um, you know, can be really dangerous. And so, uh, yeah, I started a hunt like that in Colorado. It's been, I think, a couple years since I've been there. Uh, not not this past season, but the season before. But, yeah, the, the weather – there, there's definitely no shortage of challenges, and and we just know that we're gonna face them on these hunts. Yep. They like never, yep. they never pan out like we drew them up. We're always gonna <laughs> no. get there, and they're always gonna be different, and usually more difficult than we thought it was gonna be. Always, yeah. There's, I've never been on one and been like, you know what? That was easier than I thought. You know? <laughs> Ever. <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah, and and. Uh, you know, you just got to be able to grind, you know, that's where you have such an asset is like you have to um, being mentally strong. You, you just you're constantly theorizing of what your next move is. And you you're an eternal optimist. Like even if you're not getting into game, you're trying to think of where you will get into game or what your next move is or, hey, there's no deer here. There's no elk here. You know, we got to move to the next drainage, but just always be thinking ahead always keeping a positive attitude and then like I love suffering with a buddy like there is no funnier time in my life than when I'm suffering with a really good buddy like in the mountains or in the high country for some reason that dark humor comes out about suffering or about how we can't find elk and that that comedic relief like it really helps on a hunt it helps to have like a hunting buddy on those things for sure it helps keep your mood up you have to there's uh, that's what I tell people. They're so, you know, you, you'll get in some, especially middle of the day, you know, morning and evenings are a little bit different, but mornings, instead of sitting still, a lot of times we'll just go, you know, hike heavy timber and, or, you know, dark timber and see if we can find something. That's a couple of times where we've had some encounters and, you know, there's just so, so like every set of dark timber, there's a, there's like a little set of optimism and then you get through it. And then there's a letdown when you get to kind of those aspen patches in the middle of the day. And then you get back to some timber and then it's back. So there's just an emotional roller coaster that there's no way to prepare for. And, you know, there's there's always the, you know, you're joking because you're emotionally, you're like, this sucks. I quit. You know, why did I do this? Why do I, you know, <laughs> ready to throw away and, and get rid of your hunting gear? Like, I'm going to give up, you know, give this up and go do golf or something like that, which I hate golf. But it's just... And then all it takes is one encounter or one, you know, set of really fresh sign where you're like, oh, man, all right, I'm back in it. You know, so there's you you cannot there's no way to mentally prepare for that. Uh, the emotional roller coaster and disappointment. And um, I, the only way to really, you know, get through that, what we found is humor, you know, like everybody knows what everybody's going through. And um, man, it's uh, it's an emotional roller coaster. It's so true. I, um, that moose season this year, I had a bunch of time, but it's tough. They're mountain moose. And so I yeah. went the first seven days and I didn't see a cower bull the first seven <laughs> days ago. And, 
And um, and then, you know, it was so challenging to go day after day because they're they're so few and far between like their densities. They're not real dense in an area. You know, they're really right. spread yeah, out. And um, it, it was just tough to keep up. You know, it was like 30 days of hunting those things and really tough to find a big mature bull. And I didn't need a world record, but I right. wanted some paddles. I didn't want to shoot a bullwinkle. And yeah, I yeah. found myself um, my mental talk like. It challenged me. It reminded me of some of my tougher hunts. Um, but it, it like I my self talk is so important and, and I caught myself like joking around around my buddies one day. They were hunting elk, I was hunting moose, we shared a camp together and uh I found myself joking around and I was telling them I'm I must be the um the shittiest moose hunter on planet earth, you know. And I was just joking around trying <laughs> yep, to get a laugh it. out of them, which it was funny, you know, but then I almost start yeah. telling myself that as I continue to hunt moose and I had to like take a step back and go, you know, you become like your self-talk and I can't yep. keep telling myself like I am a really good bow hunter. I've been successful on all kinds of hunts. Like I'm a good bow hunter. I'm transitioning these skills to moose and it's a combination of master vantage points, a combination between still hunting and a combination uh, between driving roads and, and then also, you know, getting leads from buddies or yeah. see moose and things. And so it's this combination, but I had to stop telling myself that and start talking to myself better because <laughs> I could feel myself going downhill as I was getting to day 15, day 16 by myself you know, and tell myself that. And it's like, no, I just got to keep doing the right things and it'll pay off. I'll turn up a bull. I'll get an opportunity. I've been here before, you know, like, yep. um, but yeah. I, yeah. You spiral yourself real quick. Oh, and man. It's easy. And that's why I, you know, I enjoy being out there with at least one other person is just, you can bounce ideas and, um, you know, it's, it's always nice to have a, a second opinion and, you know, we kind of like, Hey, what do you, what do you think here? What should we do? And we'll talk about it. And then, you know, either a combination or, you know, take my idea or take his idea, whatever it is. And, but man, end of uh, solo. And like you're saying, just the spiral, you can really talk yourself into, um, a dark place as bad as that sounds. You can. Yeah. And even us guys that are mentally tough, that yeah. are, that are proven, oh, yeah. we still deal with the same struggle. Everybody else does, you know, we still yep. question our motivations and, you know, we still like it, the mind, like it, especially when it gets slow, like you're saying, middle of the day, it almost starts playing tricks on you where it's like, oh, I really got some work I got to get done. Or, oh, man, I really got to get back to my family, even though I planned yeah. for this many days. But it, right. it does start to play tricks on you where you have to go, no, I'm going to stay the course. Everybody knows I'm going to be gone for these days. Uh, I've uh, I've trained so hard for this season. I've shot so much. I've got to keep with it and keep going. But you you like even me that's been on a hundred of these hunts, I still have to talk myself through them the same way anybody else would, you know, and I have self doubt at times and am I doing the right thing? And, you know, you just, um, you just got to keep believing, keep a positive attitude and keep putting forth effort and just keep believing that all you need is a sliver of opportunity. And it's amazing how many times it comes together in the, the last day or the last couple days, or you just keep putting forth effort and magic happens. Luck happens. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Ours was the last day. Uh, we were going to hunt a half day. We we're going to hunt till about one or two o'clock and at 1230, that thing popped out. So, I mean, it's, literally last minute good for you uh middle of the day yeah yeah we were sitting at a uh, you know we like i said we usually we would walk timbers middle of the day and we'd found this wallow earlier in the week and there were two carcasses at it actually probably a week apart and there was a tree stand and so uh, the last night we were glassing this hill and uh we were on 
um, some public land that had some private all around it. And uh, we saw this, I don't know if it was this bull, it was pretty far away. And all I had was uh, just some regular binoculars I didn't bring. Uh, I think it was eight buys. And uh, I didn't have a spotting scope, but we see this bull. I think it was the bull that I ended up killing. Uh, Get up out of bed and start working its way back towards that wallow. And so that next morning we were like, well, we know there's an an elk in this area. And uh, we knew that wallow had had some activity. We put some sticks and stuff around it to see if they'd, um, if anything had been there recently. And sure enough, within those last three days, something had been there. And so I uh, went down there. One of my buddies started splashing around in the wallow and making a couple bugles and then uh, a couple cow calls a little while later. And then we're just sitting there. And my buddy in front of me is like, bull. And I'm like, what? And he says, bull elk. And we're not, we don't really have any good cover. We're just kind of sitting there above this um, wallow. And sure enough, about 40 yards, this thing walks in on what there was. It was a super highway of trails to this wallow. And uh, he kind of walked out, walked right in completely silent and just stared at us. Like I said, he'd look up, look down, look around, look up at us. And each time he would look around or whatever, I would either I had a single pin. So I'd adjust my sight to what I thought where he thought he was. And it was 40 yards. And then the next time he looked down, I put my uh, release on the D loop and then sat there for a while. And then he actually turned to leave and I drew and there, it would have been a prayer of a shot through some, it would, there was a tiny window that would have been right in the vitals, but it would have been a, a prayer shot. And, uh, he stopped right before that spot. Cause I, I'm burnt from that one that we should have shot bedded up. I can see him, uh, burned in my mind. And so, uh, this one stopped right before that little opening and then he turned around. And as soon as he crossed the two trees that I needed him to cross, I, I let one fly. And, uh, so it was, man, I've got, it was, it was an awesome, like I said, experience, but it was emotional, mental grind that 11 minutes, even just him staring at us and you trying not to do anything to screw it up. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. It, well, it, it takes, um, you know, you talk about, he put his eyes down and you set your sight, he put his eyes down and you, uh, you clicked your D loop. You, he started to walk away and you drew like you have to make a hundred right decisions in those yeah. moments to have yep. it all work out like it. That's why it feels like magic when it all comes together. And you did all those st- steps correctly. You read the scenario right. You moved when you were supposed to move, drew when you were supposed supposed to draw, and it probably wouldn't have worked out any other way but the way it did. No. You know, if you would have yep. made any other moves, it wouldn't have come together. So you know, and it's amazing. You know, we talked about I. Uh, ADD and like uh, always wanting to move and being active and engaged with the animals. But uh, patience is a virtue. And the yeah, more patient I really get, is. the better I get at bow hunting. Like even though I like to move and I'm aggressive and I try to take every opportunity and I try to make things happen, there's like, you know, there's a time, there's like a speed you have to go. And there's a time when you have to freeze when elk are in range and they're looking around or looking at you and you may have to let them get over the hill. And just like you said, the longest 11 minutes of your life, like there's been times where I've had to stay motionless for 30 minutes because a cow's looking my way. I may even yep. have the bull in range, but you know, being in, mm-hmm. being in range is one thing. Like you go throughout a hunt and you think if I can just get in a range, of, in range of a bull, I'd kill a bull. 
but really getting in range is only half the battle. Then you have to get drawn and shoot that bull and put a perfect arrow in him, and that's a whole other game, you know? And so, like, you just have to be really calm in those moments and make good decisions and move when you can get away with it and know when to freeze. But we talk about ADD, but really we have to develop our patience makes us even a, a, a better bow hunter yet. But, yeah, it's an amazing story, Rich. Yeah, I mean, I just think back of all the things that had to go right. You know, I thought it was going to be incredibly hard. And, you know, it the four years and whatever, four hunts that we'd been on were incredibly hard. And none of that, you know, like I think back and all the things that had to go right in that one situation with that thing staring at us. I'm like, it's almost it's nearly impossible, you know, like <laughs> with a bow, you know, because I, I went on a rifle hunt. um a couple, you know, month or two after that. And it's just a completely different experience. It's still awesome, but it's just with a bow, I, you can't put into words how just, like you're saying, everything has to line up. You have to work hard. You have to not screw it up. And then also like as bad as it sounds, you got to have a little luck. Like luck does play into it a little bit, you know, like it just happened that that was the perfect situation. And then after it all happened, I'm like, how did that happen? And so, um, man, it's just, you know, it's just such a cool experience all the way around that it's just so hard to put into words. And so, so man, intense. It, it, yeah, it really is. You know, like I just, it keeps bringing me back to that, you know, like it's just, I can't even, can't even, and you know, like I said, we have a YouTube video that we put out about it and they did such an incredible job with the music and all that. And my buddy that, or that works for us, Scott, he shot it. And then another guy edited it for us. And they did such a good job with the emotion, with the music, but that still doesn't even, it doesn't even scratch the surface. Like it, it brought me back to it, but then it's like, man, until you experience that, you, you just cannot fully grasp what that experience is. So true. Yeah. It's, um, it it's tough. You just want to do it justice or try to, do the experience yeah. justice, but it does when you have that experience, it pales in comparison, even watching the best videographers and editors there, you know, it's just like, you know, it, um, uh, it, it's just really, it's lightning in a bottle trying to capture it, trying to capture magic. I know it like, and I, I have those, you know, those same memories just like, like burned into my mind. Like you do that elk, like, um, uh, you know, being under such intense pressure and having to make the right moves. And it seems like, you know, you talked about luck and, and luck does help to have that animal walk at you, to have them walk out and expose themselves, stop in the right spot. But it seems right. like being a bow hunter, the longer you can play the game, the longer that you can keep the element of surprise. Like to me, the element of surprise is the most important to not let that animal know I'm hunting them. And the longer I can keep the element of surprise and play the game, these animals are are more apt to make a mistake or or to walk my direction or to just the longer that I play like even if they walk away from me and they walk over the hill and out of range if I keep that element of surprise well then I can go up there I can reevaluate and then stalk from that next ridge they went over and so just the longer I can play the game and keep the element of surprise like the more chance I have to like capture that luck I think yeah yeah I mean like I can only speak from our one experience with those, you know, those little, the spike and the raghorn, but it was, it was a fun kind of learning experience on what do they do, you know, cause they, they moved on. And then an hour later we found them again and we still had the element of surprise. And, you know, man, there's just so many things that you just, like you, you know, like we said, wind, wind is something that I'm with turkeys. That's I never really had to worry about the wind. You just had to worry about them seeing you. And so, um, 
you know, and you were talking about with, with antelope, the things that you've learned from that. And I've, I, I've learned a lot of that stuff uh, with Turkey, you know, there's, there's different ways you got to approach them and you got to use cover and, and those types of thing. And, and that does transfer over to elk. And so it's, it's just an awesome, awesome experience. That's hard to put into words as we keep coming back to, but that's, that's really what it is. No, you're spot on. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. That wind is such a major one. And for me, it's like a higher understanding of the winds, like knowing uh, thermal winds and directional winds oh, yep. and how they blow through canyons and over the top and really taking notes of the wind the entire hunt so I know what the winds do, looking at the forecast for the next day, and it, it calls for southwest winds, and so I want to hunt like dominant faces that face the southwest that are on that dominant wind, not the lee wind side. The lee wind side's like a washing machine. And there's places where I've hunted elk where I just cannot kill a bull in those drainages because they're the lee wind side and the wind swirls in there. And I've been down in this one canyon that I have. I've probably been down in there a half dozen times and I've spooked a half dozen bulls down there. I always (laughs) think I can go down and the wind's good on top. And the minute I dive off, it starts swirling down there. I bust the herd of elk, but I finally did get the better of that canyon. Like the, the, I shot a giant six point in there. Finally, after blowing six of them out over the years, (laughs) I finally sat on top and I didn't go dive in that bad wind. I waited and I waited and these elk escaped out and then they escaped to a dominant wind side. I was able to get behind them, have a good wind and tail them and then shoot one of my best six points from that range, you know, just because I played it patient. Like I didn't learn the lesson on the first time, but after six times of spooking bulls in there, I was finally like, man, I cannot go in there. But, you know, just learning this higher understanding of the winds too, like, Again, it just helps you get lucky. Like the longer you can play the game, the more you understand the game, just the better you can do at it. Such an amazing journey. Now, the, I think, you know, what you're saying about just failing and, and, and being able to learn from that and not getting too discouraged and, and not, uh, I mean, because you're going to screw it up. That's something that I've learned over the last couple of years. You're going to mess that up. And so, hey, how can I learn from this? How can I come forward? Not getting mentally just destroyed from it and you know you are gonna have a little pity party and uh you're gonna have to get over that and then like i said just come forward and hey how can i not do this the next time and and uh the patience yeah patience comes into it and that's probably one of my greatest weaknesses but it's also a good learning experience for you as well yeah you're spot on um, man, Rich, I really enjoyed connecting with you on the yeah, the podcast and hearing about hearing about your elk hunting. Um, and congratulations, all your success in CrossFit and hunting world and building your brand, man. It's a, a amazing to see. Um, and, and so yeah, I just um, uh, if you ever need anything, um, any advice in these Western hunts, make sure to look me up. But I really appreciate, man. Where can guys watch that uh, elk hunting video? Yeah, uh, just our YouTube channel. It's just Mayhem Nation, uh, or cross, I think it's actually CrossFit Mayhem on YouTube. And then, or if you just type in Rich Froning Elk Hunt, we have the first couple of years of all the failures as well. Those are all in there, so you can learn what not to do and um, see what happened. Like I said on that that bull that we we actually missed on, and then the last two hunts that we've put out are two successful. One's a bull, and one's a cow, one's archery, one's rifle. And so, um, yeah, our YouTube channels we we. That's something we want to. I want to move towards is, is to use the fitness to show, hey, this is what you can go do with it, and some cool adventures to um, 
that we've we're going on so hunting is a, a big thing that we want to push in the future and something we're moving towards so i will definitely hit you up and take you up on that so let me know if i'm annoying you too much when i when i am uh, asking you all these questions <laughs> no no worries man um i really appreciate your time and coming on and congratulations on that bull i'm gonna go check out those videos tonight and Heck um yeah. yeah man keep killing it and thanks for uh being such a voice for us hunters awesome man thanks for having me cool thanks Ryan. All right, guys, um, that's a wrap. Thanks again to Rich Froning for coming on. Uh, just made for a great conversation. Um, it's uh, really fun when these um, uh, these high-level athletes find Western hunting and um, uh, find enjoyment in it and uh, uh, find a place, another place for their passion, and I know that's the case for me. Uh, I absolutely love it with every fiber of my being, and I love having these in-depth conversations. So. Uh, thanks to Rich. Thanks to you guys for listening in. I really appreciate you. Uh, thanks for our sponsors. So our sponsors for today's show, Sig Sauer Optics. Again, remember those uh, image stabilizing binos. They're putting some new high-end glass. I cannot wait to get these in my hands. So um, uh, they'll be showing up before this hunting season. So I'm pumped on those. Uh, check out their rangefinders as well and all their optics. They just do a great job. Uh, also, check out those Matthews bows. Things are just shooting for me. Uh, so setting up that phase four here, so impressed at how quiet, how forgiving it is. These Matthews really hold a tune for me. Just a great shooting bow. So check those out. Um, you can also check out Method Archery. Uh, so formerly Vector Archery, now they're Method Archery, just building a great arrow uh, that has a spine designed exactly for your bow. Uh, they have different options now as fletchings, uh, different options as far as four fletch, three fletch, different options as far as size of fletching. Uh, they also um, have different colors this year. So I went with this, um, it's like a neon green or like a yellow color. It's just a great color for me. So I went with that color. And um, man, they just um, build them, cut them, great components, gonna shoot great out of your bow. And, um, man, I'm really impressed. I can't wait. I've got an order in now. It should be showing up any day. Those are going to be the new arrows for this season for my Phase 4. So make sure to go check them out. They're over at Method Archery. Um, let's see. Method. Oh, and also check out Black Obus. Uh, just great guys. Uh, great internet retail store. Uh, you check those guys out. They'll help you out with anything you need. And also Camo Fire. So, uh, thanks to all those guys. They sure appreciate it. Thanks to Eastman's for their support of the podcast. Uh, got some great recordings at the expo we'll be releasing to you guys and uh, continually just getting great guests on and trying to prepare us all for this coming season. It's going to be fun. Uh, finally got this recording studio slash office slash guest room all set up in my house, which is really nice. And uh, just about got the garage all set up, benches and uh shelving and just trying to get it all organized um we all have too much stuff me included uh so just trying to get that all organized but it's nice getting my bowls hung up and um uh, mount set up the inside of the house is pretty much done exterior of the house is done so uh, down to landscaping getting the garage put together it's a really good feeling starting to feel like myself again here so got out um fishing the other day i've been getting my runs in and shoots in and then uh, my buddy dylan nass who's been on the podcast a bunch really good friend came over uh we went and did this fishing adventure just had so much fun caught a bunch of nice fish and um oh, it's just nice to be out in nature um 
so yeah, I'm enjoying that and uh, looking forward to getting out the next handful of weekends here and, and um, hitting it hard. So uh, yeah, just getting back to myself here and, and um, cheering pump uh, with this podcast and some of the recordings I have for you guys and guests I have coming up. So we'll keep working hard on that. But uh, thanks so much, you guys. I uh, really appreciate the support of the podcast and um, uh, really nice to meet some of you guys down at Expo. That was really fun. And um, man, we'll just keep this thing plugging away and um, let's draw some tags, huh? Uh, the tags are getting tougher and tougher, so we have to be creative and keep finding opportunities to go hunt. So I'm doing the same thing. I'm trying to line up my season and figure out which adventures and which hunts I can go on. I've actually got a big one coming up in about a month and a half where I'm going to travel to Australia and go hunt red deer and uh, go hunt fallow and go hang out with a couple of my really good buddies. So, uh, you know, it's one of those hunts that makes me a bit nervous, which is always a good thing. So, um, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be an absolute blast. So fortunate that I get to do something like that. And, um, yeah, so fortunate to be able to make good friends over there that um, help, me, help me out and help set me up for a good hunt. So thanks to those guys. And, um, yeah, we'll record some podcasts while we're there and um, definitely do a bunch of bow hunting. So I uh, can't wait for that. So thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. That's a wrap this week. And uh, with that, I'll check in with you next week.